from Immersive Labs, this is Cyber Humanity. Hello again, I'm your host Chris Pace. Cyber Humanity is the podcast taking cyber security personally, trying to get inside the heads of hackers, as well as putting our feet in the shoes of defenders. These podcasts essentially come in two flavours, either us ranting about themes close to the hearts of security types, or us chatting about threat and security stuff from recent weeks. I just have two colleagues with me this week because others have seen fit to go on holiday, which is appalling um we're also recording this in the morning which means i've already forgotten to press the record button once we had some great <laughs> um, jo- great jokes that we can't really some do amazing again content that we now really can't recreate but hey you know y- y- you've been here before you'll go with it um but i am obviously always delighted to uh welcome uh, a man who speaks 10 languages uh, english and binary <laughs> that joke worked it's, better when it still you worked yeah it worked better when i didn't know it was like. coming okay. kev breen and cyber PR Svengali Anthony Dalton. I still hate that term. <laughs> and I also <laughs> speak JavaScript as well. Uh, what a, that's a lie. That's a lie. Come I'm on. going to challenge you to that after this after this podcast. <laughs> okay, so we are on a th- we're on a theme this week, and it's because in my newsfeed over the last few weeks or so, I have noticed a plethora. Or is it a, a plethora? It a plethora? Paul's not, yeah. Paul's I, not I don't here, even know just, what that word is. It's a plethora. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> of, of articles letting me know that there is a new threat that's worse than ransomware. So it's almost like as if ransomware wasn't bad enough, all I get to read about is what the next terrible cyber thing is. And so I would kept posting these articles to Kevin saying, oh, now they're talking about this thing, and now they're talking about this thing. And so we thought, you know what, let's talk about all those. Let's decide if something really is the next ransomware, um, or maybe more ransomware is just the next ransomware. So the list is, and there's three of them on here, and we're then going to talk about, we're going to talk about some other stuff as well. But the three that we have on here is, uh, and these are in no particular order, they're not ranked. Um, we'll get to each of them in turn, not saying any of them are more important. Um, but at number one, no, not number one, the first one <laughs> is Killware. Sounds bad. Sounds, bad. Sounds, Sounds really bad, actually. Terrifying. Yeah, and then the second, which doesn't sound as terrifying, uh, is Ransom Cloud, capital R, capital C, no space in between Ransom and Cloud in a kind of classic tech way. Um, then the third is Extortion, not to be confused with Double Extortion, which is part of Ransomware. Um, but again, we'll get into the detail of that. And then Anthony's personal favourite, as I mentioned, just more Ransomware. So let's begin with Killware. An article appeared in uh, in USA today where a a lawyer and something to do with the Department for Homeland Security in America has come out and said the next thing we need to worry about is killware. Um, Now Kev what does this person actually mean by killware because there's some already there's some confusing terminology. Yeah so when I first heard killware I was like well we've already we've already got killware like the Sony hack was like killware. Some piece of software comes in, kills all your hardware, does a lot of damage. It's not what they're talking about here. It's certainly different. What they're saying is anything that has an outcome resulting in death is 
Killware. Kev, Kev, only you could describe the difference between your network being killed and a person being killed as a subtle difference. I oh, know it's it's just it's just subtly different. One is about one is about the sanctity of my network, and the other is about the sanctity of human life. But though that is just a subtle difference. I just thought I'd point Thanks. that out. Yeah, point that out to the listener. I do like uh, people, like I said, really. Uh, okay, but it's all pretty binary. <laughs> it's it, all pretty binary to me. Um, <laughs> so yeah, they're saying that like anything that results uh, in a death. So this could be something like the ransomware attack where we saw uh, it took a hospital flying to a patient that had to be rooted, and sadly the patient died en route. Uh, it could be a water treatment plant that was hijacked by some RDP credentials or some TeamViewer credentials uh, where they tried to poison the water flow. Uh, it could be something like an OT uh, attack that takes part of the national grid down or like oil, uh, the colonial attack that uh, distributed. Uh, disrupted the oil pipelines uh, and if that had an effect where if it was a middle of winter and people ended up dying uh, that would all fall under this killware banner so it's not so much a set of techniques or software it's more about like the outcome of the thing yeah so but what's interesting is that the this is where the conflating of the descriptions doesn't help anyone because where implies that it's software designed to do that job which of course it's not mostly in the in the context of the ransomware attack where the lady died being transferred between the two hospitals that was a by that was a byproduct not the aim of that attack and i don't imagine that any attacker even a nation state there's they don't nobody wants to kill other people surely that's not a that like the deeper questions need to be <laughs> asked about whether that's a genuine whether that's a genuine aim because you know actually killing the infrastructure um for example killing the infrastructure of a town city government you know whatever crippling it and preventing it from being able to work surely is as if not more powerful than than taking human than taking human life you take human life for you know for for i don't know i mean what i don't i don't want to get too existential i don't want to get too existential about it but you take my point I think this is this is just a thing that happens in cybersecurity, though, is it not? This is just an extension of the hacking narrative. It's just the Murphy's Law thing, isn't it? You start at uh, at one point and you gradually get more and more extreme. And I mm. think that this is just a way of encapsulating what is happening in general in cybersecurity, is not? Everyone is always into one-upmanship, and it just gets worse and worse and worse. And 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 to me, that that's all. That's all this Gilware thing actually is, because if you look at it, there's no technical difference in, no. in anything here. And it's like, and it's the kind of discourse that happens on social media all the time, isn't it? It's that kind of, um, I think it's referred to as like nth, nth degree thinking or something like that, or whataboutery. It's this idea that you, you take an argument to an extreme in order to prove that you're, you know, that you're you're right kind of thing. And actually, in in some ways, this, I I see that there's this in this article they're saying there there is the potential for these things to happen and water treatment facilities you know have been have been targeted but have they been targeted to to act to kill people we can't know that and so therefore maybe you know those in those in government or in public service shouldn't be saying it it changes the lines as well so like when you're doing a ransomware attack you're attacking infrastructure so that has a set of outcomes that are 
you attack me in the cyber domain, I attack you in the cyber domain. Like, when you go to actually killing people, like, de a deliberate act to kill somebody through a cyber engagement, like, the retaliation there is, like, you kill us, we kill you. That's just a military way mm. of thinking. So, like, for a nation state or an APT group to make this actual deterministic shift, I think, would be terrifying for those groups. Like, they're under enough pressure as already. But I don't think this will be nation state groups. This is what happens when deeply sophisticated things falls into the hands of people who who don't really have any grounding or any morals or any understanding of their actions and all of that stuff, is it not? I mean, But there's a, there's a difference between not caring about your actions and deliberately going out to kill somebody. Uh, they're two different things. So whilst the ransomware group might not care if somebody dies being rerouted to go to hospital or that water treatment factory poisons a couple of hundred or thousand people like that wasn't their intent they might not care about it but they didn't go out there with the intent of doing that and malwarebytes have a brilliant article that goes like to all of these points yeah i think they highlighted in that in that blog that um the it's the conflating of the it makes it confusing and it's not specific enough um so naturally then because because anthony's in pr and i'm in marketing uh should we try and come up with a different name is it like cyber homicide or is it cyber terrorism is that really the suggestion of the thing that we need to that we need to worry about I think cyber terrorism makes makes it sound like there is a nation state thing here. I mean, if you look at if you look at the chemical uh, the water plant thing, wasn't that just a disgruntled employee who had login credentials and access team viewer? I mean, to, to uh, me, well, to no, me, I don't, I don't think, think it's it a was. nation state. I don't think it's necessarily a nation state uh, thing. Yeah, but to add a bit of balance, though, what I would say is that we have seen increasing, um, and and by increasing, like two or three. Um, attacks specifically targeted at water treatment plants as an example but i don't know if that's because awareness was raised because one got attacked and so therefore the research was done and now it's like oh people are trying to attack water treatment plants Do you know what i mean like you don't know how much of it is um you don't know how much of it is the is the cart leading the horse in in some ways or what, what paul likes to refer to as correlation causation a lot of the time to, to put the, the cat amongst the uh, the pigeon slightly there is a part of me that thinks some of this stuff is actually uh, giving it a name like killware is maybe not a bad thing because it might draw more eyes to it and more attention to it and make people um, do best practice things to their to their networks that actually stop <laughs> stop this kind of thing happening but but that's the marketing person in me i suppose yeah and like from a network defender perspective that's terrifying for me because what some news article says is killware might not have any effect or impact on me and my organization but like my c-suite might go oh my god killware we must prioritize this because look how bad this word is and actually like from my organizational perspective it might not have any impact on me but i might now be diverting like precious security resource for that for that very reason well not just that it's that it's the in 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 an industry stretched thin you know already in terms of resource actually one of the things that's most unhelpful about the way that it's reported is that it risks doing exactly that that it risks distracting and we've had this conversation before that it risks distracting both you know leaders and professionals um to be looking at what's perceived as being the next thing that might matter when it's 
highly likely that it that it won't and that that you know that you might argue could you know could really be seen as could really be seen as wasteful but it's kind of a combination of the nature of the of the industry and the ind- and you know the individuals in it look we're talking about it aren't we so that kind of you know that that in a way that kind of confirms the whole thing okay so what we i'm going to summarize on killware here it feels like we've decided that it, a it's named badly B, we don't really think it's a thing that is yet a, you know, enough to call a trend. And and, our, and my biggest issue with it is I think it's a risk, not a threat. So I think that the article itself is badly written because it implies a threat that we don't actually know is there yet, which I suppose is the whole of the problem with cyber. Agreed. Yeah, I agree. Oh, good. Right now, ransom cloud. <laughs> this was a thing that popped up in my in my newsfeed last week, and I thought, oh, is this like a different kind of clever ransomware that because everyone's moving to the cloud is going to be terrifying? And um, and then I I I got a, a lot. Of, I, basically, I've seen a lot of exclamation marks and question marks from Kev. So <laughs> I, I'm Kev. I'm just going to let you randomize it, and then afterwards, I'll I'll ask you some questions. So. So what is Ransom Cloud? Kevin Bloody Mitnick. Oh, okay, he's off. So Starting strong. Starting, starting strong. strong, Kev. So this is a random video that appeared on YouTube. It's a couple of years old now, I think, as well. I don't think it's something recent. And in this video, Kevin Mitnick has coined the catchphrase uh, Ransom Cloud. And I, it, I'll don't watch the video. It's utterly ridiculous um i'll save you that i watched it uh and all he does is he goes onto one laptop and signs into office 365 he's got some emails there unsurprisingly he goes onto another laptop explains how this is the hacker and how they're going to do stuff he then sends a phishing email to the victim who opens the email nothing special here yet like everything's still standard at which point they log in uh, it looks like they uh authenticate their service uh their uh, office 365 account to an application that's been uh, like a fake application that's been created giving the attacker access to their uh, mailbox at which point the attacker encrypts the emails in the mailbox that's it so it just encrypts one oh, person's email <laughs> no no hang on hang on no it's worse than that it's worse than that this is just this is just regular ransomware, but it's doing it on files in the cloud. Are you serious? Yes. Like, the, I, the, the cloud <laughs> is, is just great. somebody else's <laughs> computer. So you've just ransomware another computer. And like, if you want to get into the weeds of it, you could say that like he encrypted things. Like nobody's doing this. Like this is this is him standing up some <laughs> random application. Like he's obviously it's a bit quiet. Like I haven't said anything in a while. What can I do that's on point? <laughs> Ransom cloud. Uh, it's just utterly ridiculous. Like I'm not saying the threat isn't real, but yeah, just no, no, no. Sounds great though. Let's spin up a quick little startup to uh, address the problem. I think we can. Yeah, get we nice could probably little... protect. We could probably protect against that. Yeah, yeah, let's protect against the ransom cloud. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can like efficient backups. Like, so what if I lose my email? My email's just full of spam and rubbish anyway. I'm, you're doing me a service if you come and encrypt all that, so I don't have to keep reading it all the time. And like, and the 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 like, there's lots of stuff there, but like in this instance, all you would have to do is just reset your password. Like, you've lost your email. 
but reset your password and you've got it back again um well not you don't have the data back but like you've kicked the attacker out it's not as pervasive uh, as ransomware is uh it's just well, also there's not an advantage there's so the thing that you really have to think about is that there there will be a reason why an attacker hasn't done this is because there's not any great advantage for them right there's much more advantage for them sitting in the middle for example in a business email compromise context or them getting you or them getting you to click a link that gives them you know uh, initial access that they can therefore elevate you know inside your inside your system and then therefore inside your network there's those are advantages to them they enable them to do things but you know potentially encrypting your email i just don't really no. like what's in it for them to do that if they could do something completely stealthy that you wouldn't see that would give that would get them more like watching you logging into your bank account or whatever then i just don't understand why anyone would ever do this and that's the bit he glossed over so when he first did the <laughs> attack he's like and from here i could read all of your emails and I could send an email as you. You're right. That's the interesting bit. That's business yeah, email compromise. Yeah, yeah. And he skips yeah. over to that. It's like, but that's already been done. <laughs> yeah. But worse than that, I can encrypt all of your emails. And it's funny because like his inbox is just full of spam anyway. I think so. It's just like, yeah, well done. You've encrypted some spam. But yeah, like no, surely the the main benefit of modern ransomware is it causes big scale problems. It's just a, a devolution of ransomware, isn't it? Because it's causing a, a minor inconvenience. One, one might targeted. argue. One might one might argue um, that he has in his contract with a certain large cybersecurity vendor he has in his contract with them a requirement to come up with this kind of stuff <laughs> on a regular basis and so he has fulfilled that requirement kevin bloody mitnick anyway should we move on from should we move on from uh, bad kevin um, and get into <laughs> get into uh, extortion so the reason this one um ended up on our list is because off the back of the Twitch takedown, which I'll let Kev talk about in more detail in a second, um, kind of highlighted this idea that um, it is as beneficial to a cybercriminal to access a trove of useful, sensitive, personal, valuable data and look to extort a company uh, for that um, as it is to go through something like the effort of ransomware. Now, I feel like we already know that double extortion, so the idea that you you kind of ransom, you know, encrypt a, uh, uh, an organization, you ransom them, and then you extort them, we kind of know that's already a thing. It's almost like this technique, they're saying, well, you know, do the stealthy, stealthy stuff, get into the, get into the system, you know, access in this in this case in the in the in the case of twitch you know the source code or and also all of the million you know the data on the millions of users and all that you access all that in a really stealthy way um and then you can just extort you know a, a company like twitch which is worth billions i guess um you know you can just extort them for a massive amount of money so why would you bother with the ransoming part which i guess is a fair point i'm kind of confused as to where like they got this headline from because like i've been following the the twitch hack and so twitch came out and said like through a misconfiguration somebody was able to access um like a part of their network and from that they managed to get a lot and i mean a lot of stuff and like their mm. source code for all of their applications yeah uh, like their entire web presence has been has been leaked um i don't understand where the actual extortion comes into play because I haven't seen any 
other than this one article, of any reports of them actually being extorted for that. Uh, it was just somebody leaked it all. Now, there is a, a part two, uh, which supposedly is coming, and maybe that is, but, yeah, the, the extortion line there is is weird. The interesting thing here is less the extortion tag that we're putting on it, more the theft of source code. Mm, how how yep. rare is that, Kev? Because yep. to me, that that's like the central thing that makes a company like Twitch worth billions. This is this has got to be devastating for Twitch in in two regards. One is that's all their IP, like that's what they've spent a lifetime building, which means that now I, because they've done such a good job at putting some of their stuff together, I could just take all that source code and I can start my own Twitch tomorrow. Like so, like for competitor advantage like that is destroying uh worse than that um like it directly affects the security of their platform so like bug hunters we look from the outside and we try and figure out like how to break into an application so we can do the responsible disclosure it's hard because we don't understand any of the actual mechanisms behind it with access to the source code i can now just see exactly how it flows and go oh there's a problem and i can see that without testing anything because it's in the code mm. and we've already started to see some of that kind of stuff come out like security researchers have got a hold of this they're going through the code and they're finding actual vulnerabilities in there uh, which could have gone unnoticed unabused uh for forever but now like there's a lot of stuff out there that attackers are also going to be looking at finding and can now compromise Twitch in new and other interesting ways. So, yeah, the, the source code leak there is the big one for me. So talking about what the next big thing is then, perhaps in, in this particular vertical, you know, for to tech companies, perhaps there is, you know, a legitimate, and it's not a threat, is it? Again, there's a legitimate risk that needs to be addressed, which is the in, in the context of, you know, A, how secure is our, our source code? Um, and then, of course, the thing that organizations have been thinking about for years and years and years, um, how secure is the how secure is the personal data, uh, you know, that we that we hold? Because the other half of this story um, is is obviously the user, um, the user info and the user info is not. Um, like surface level, like the user info is significant. Um, uh, Kev, you can probably tell us about some of the stuff that has come out of that, uh, come out of, of of that data. But it's kind of terrifying, um, you know, the the amount of stuff that seems to now be out there. Oh, what's terrifying is the amount of money that some of these streamers earn. <laughs> yeah, uh, I definitely need to switch jobs. But yeah, like, there's there's a lot of data in there, and this leak was mostly around the source code um and some interesting data that seems to have been pulled out which includes like the earnings report for the last three months or so uh for the for some of the top streamers there have been other things i think somebody was saying they found uh sets of data on uh chargebacks uh through paypal and things like that and the expectation amongst the community is that this was labeled twitch part one the expectation mm. is that part two is going to contain the databases. So, and that, but that's where the, that's where surely the clue around extortion that that's where the clue around extortion comes from, isn't it? Because because the suggestion is that they are kind of they're, they're like ran, just like ransomware groups do. They're looking to sort of ramp up the jeopardy. Um, isn't that a sort of isn't that a fair assumption that they're pro they are probably looking to extort Twitch for you know cash? I would expect so, but I mean, again, I like it's a hundred and twenty-eight gigs worth of source code. I'd say that's probably 
As much as I hate to say it, if we look at all the companies who have been massively impacted by ransomware and had data leaks, are any of them out of business? Have any of them lost billions yeah. off their stock? Well, Travelex, Travelex is the is probably one of the few examples where it did. You know, in combination with the in combination, they were with the also pandemic, the first. The timing was just so bad. Yeah. It's normalised yeah. since then. This to me is a far greater theft of value and and opens much bigger problems for the tech industry as a whole, which is growing. You know, which is one of the fastest growing sectors in the whole world. And it's you, probably um, the fastest growing sector it, in the it, whole it, world. It, yeah. It's a it's a theft of a whole company ultimately. Yeah. And if you can break into all of these massively overvalued multi-billion dollar tech companies and just nick the one thing that makes them that company, like that to me is a huge, huge risk to the sector as a whole because um, that's the only thing that they have that makes them different, surely. The rest of it is just sales and marketing, I suppose, really, isn't it? Yeah, and we saw this with tw- with kind of with Twitter, didn't we, where the vanguard of, um, you know, twitter twitter could be vulnerable and here here is the you know here are potentially the ways that twitter could be vulnerable the vanguard of that were were, were kids right they were they were they were um i don't know i don't want to say script kiddies i'm not sure they were even script kiddies really <laughs> but they were they were basically doing it for they were doing it for fun that like they were the vanguard of that and actually you maybe in this case the sort of level of um the level of skill and effort required in order to get this attacker to this point is considerably more and so therefore now we are starting to talk about the potential of a burgeoning uh, a burgeoning threat to uh, to tech companies Anthony. i think you're absolutely right so i think that's really it, that could potentially be a really interesting shift and also as kev says you know imagine if you could steal the source code of every cybersecurity vendor you know and and have a a playbook mm-hmm. Of how to how to overcome any countermeasure. I mean, okay, I'm going to stop you there. I'm going to stop you there because <laughs> I have to be the person on that because other, certain other people aren't here. I have to be the person who now says we can't get. We're not allowed to give the hackers ideas. Kev loves all this stuff. Like, uh, so interesting fact. Um, I locked myself out of my house last week. <laughs> yes, I was extremely unpopular with my wife, and we called a locksmith. And it turns out that he, and I'm not going to, again, it's like I even find myself nervous about going into detail about this because I don't want to be the person who tells everyone how this works. But let's put it this way. There is an extremely easy way to open a pretty secure, like locked modern door. Um, and it involves one very simple piece of equipment. Yes. Uh, I, so, and, and, I'm, and, a, I'm and, a locksmith. I know these. Right, and, right. And so, locksmiths know these things, but it's almost like the magic circle in that none of them. Like, <laughs> you can't buy this thing on Amazon. You can only talk to other locksmiths about it or people who you've let into their house. But people who you've let into their house can't go and buy these stuff for, stuff for themselves. Now, compare that with cyber. <laughs> everyone gets access to all of the tools to break into everything it's a massive free-for-all and we're mm, most of us are absolutely fine with it <laughs> when does some kind of c- control have to c- well it's never going to happen isn't it due to the nature of the industry it will happen it, it just, will to happen. me it's kind of but how is it going to happen? Because we're going to declare it all killware and then it's going to become <laughs> dangerous and therefore we must protect it more. <laughs> yeah, once Cobalt Strike kills a person, <laughs> nobody else will be able to use it. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay, that was an that was an aside, but I felt like I felt like I had to be the uh, I felt like I had to. I mean, be just the, um, just on that, know, I mean, sober voice. We have seen it. Um, we saw the red team toolkit leaked from FireEye uh, by attackers, mm. uh, where they had their tools and stuff like compromised, exfiltrated. Uh, I don't think they actually leaked online, did they? But I think then, like Mandiant and FireEye themselves did the the right thing there, and they came out and said, like, here's all of the signatures you need to detect the things that we were using to attack you. Uh, but yeah, it's like, we care less about cyber arms than we do real arms, arms weapons types, not like the floppy things on the side of me. <laughs> floppy. <laughs> going back to extortion. Going back to extortion. Um, I suppose what we have learned from ransomware is that that double extortion and sometimes triple extortion methodology does work. So if you could perpetrate an attack without the need to cripple a network through ransomware to show that you were serious, then you would do it, wouldn't you? I mean, we so for example, we know that when we run when we run crisis scenarios and we've run like one scenario with like hundreds and hundreds of people now you know mostly individuals are not willing to pay the ransom or consider paying the ransom but when data is on the line when sensitive like business impacting or personal data is on the line they are often ready or some are ready at least to change their mind so doesn't that tell us that like extortion up to a point will work so so maybe there's an argument that that is the next like take ransomware off the table um, steal that data, understand what that data is, and then use that to use that to get your money. And we're seeing the first signs of this uh, already. Uh, a week ago, a little over a week ago, I think we're recording this. Uh, NCC Group came out with an article. Uh, Snap MC uh, is a threat group, and they're doing exactly this. Like they're skipping the ransomware, going straight to stealing the data and extortion. And NCC Group put together a really good uh, article, like uh, all mapped to to MITRE and things, looking at like all of the attack sequence. So all the way from the initial access through privilege escalation, uh, collection and exfil, and it has all of the hallmarks of ransomware. Like every let me single take one. A w- yes, but let me take a wild guess. This is not getting mainstream media coverage. Uh, no, I don't think so yet. No, and of course it's not. So, so hang on. Maybe this is the new ransomware that we are starting to see. Maybe ransomware actors have found out that if they are too visible, then they're going they're going to have a lot much bigger target on their backs. Hmm? So actually what they're going to do is this, just do it far quieter. They'll close down all their websites, all their support channels, that kind of stuff, and just do it one-to-one. But if you think about how we find out about ransomware attacks, it's usually because somebody at the organization has got it on their screen, has taken a photo and shared it on mm. social media. And then yeah. we all gather around. Like That's how we find out about it. If you're skipping the ransomware and just like directly emailing and saying we've got your data your staff don't know therefore your staff Mm. don't leak which means you can keep it much closer to the chest well i think there's something else at play here as well so ransomware inside the organization dealing with the threat dealing with the attack is invasive noisy it brings operations to a halt it's seen as being a crisis 
Whereas something that is completely stealthy, that someone in the cert detects and goes to, you know, and raises an incident and says, look, we've got an, we've got a, a, an attacker active inside our network. Again, we know from the scenarios that we run, we know that when you get to that moment, like we've identified that an attacker is active in our network to a high level of certainty. They have access to all of our data. What are we going to do? In many cases, decision makers are not prepared to say, we're going to have to disconnect. But like, we're going to have to shut the network down. We're going to have to disconnect everything. We need to get them out. Like, no, very few are prepared to make that decision. Yet, yet when ransomware hits, we're ready to make those hard decisions because it's noisy and disruptive when actually both are equally as damaging. No? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 100%. So that is a re... To me, that's the crux of all of this is ransomware has gained its reputation through through the fact that by its nature because it's noisy and it's a public relations hard not to look which, at and which it's a, spirals into everything else but that but that in a way that should that be the case if an expert is raising an incident inside a company and saying this is really bad like we have detected something wrong that we need to address why is that that's not seen as a crisis and in a way that's what needs to be fixed regardless of what the next ransomware is it's because you've still got uncertainty like just because they're in the network and you're seeing stuff doesn't mean that no, they're going all, to deploy ransomware it, yeah it's almost it's like hard. am i being uh, yeah it's almost like i don't know if i'm being um burgled because the alarm hasn't gone off um you know and a security guard saying but i can see somebody in the bank vault right uh that yes is, but the alarm hasn't gone off so therefore that's, nothing's that's, wrong. that's not what you're seeing though like to bring your analogy in like the guard has seen a shadow on the cctv <laughs> and, and thinks there might be somebody there like it looks like there is like the alarm's going off i've seen a shadow i've seen a little bit of movement that's the point you're at we also know that those decision makers will always have they always have a similar rationale for not making that tough decision about the attacker in the network. And do you know what that, that, that rationale nearly always is? I don't have enough information. <laughs> so, so, so really, with ransomware, it removes that barrier to making a call because you, like, you don't need any more information to know that all your files have been encrypted and you can't get them, like... That's as much in, in a way. That's as much information as you as you need. So this is a kind of interesting, um, you know, the, the sort of parallels and differences between, you know, something like stealthy extortion and ransomware. It's going to make it much harder to spot as well because, like I said, most we find out about most ransomware cases when those ransom notes start popping up, and if ransomware notes aren't going to pop up, the first time that I might be aware of this is when somebody sends like a ransom note to the security team yeah. or the CEO, CEO comes in and goes, I've just got this email saying they've got all our data uh, and they want some money. Well then, but then maybe that, maybe the CISO is going to say the same thing. And he's going to say, oh, well, we can't like, we can't know that. For sure. And then we're into proof of life and all that. And you kind of end up on exactly the same pathway. But I would sort of hope that if something like this extortion becomes a kind of burgeoning, you know, um, market business whatever ransomware operate however ransomware operators describe themselves these days but if it becomes that it will put a lot of onus on detection inside organizations that maybe is a slightly unloved area 
um, t- today. Uh, I think that that could be an interesting industry industry shift that we might see happen. In, interesting for me as well. Somebody has been in a consumer security background as well. This is actually nothing new. This is something mm. that um, was being done to people in their homes five, ten, <laughs> five, six, seven years ago with people who would install rats, you know, remote access Trojans on individual laptops. They'd switch the camera on, they'd take pictures of you in the shower or whatever. Sex and they would send the picture back to you. Yeah. And they would say, here you go, give us your money or all this is going on the internet. And I, I, I always look at these things and I think all this is, is the enterprise version of that. And yeah. I, again, it comes back to that Murphy's Law thing for me as well. It's like someone, someone relatively creative and clever, although bad, has seen something that has worked on a small scale and has just thought, how do I scale that so I can earn $10 million instead of $100? I wonder if this is a thing we've done to ourselves. So, like, the US have come out hard and heavy against ransomware groups because of the impact it has on operations, because of the impact the the encryption has on operations. That's the bit that cripples orgs. So Mm. maybe this is their response. Like, if they don't cripple the organization, they can still do their extortion. Maybe the US government aren't going to come after them quite as strong. Maybe this never gets reported. If you're never taken offline, if there's no business impact, can you hide three and a half million paid out in Bitcoin? If you're a listed company, you're going to have to start putting aside buckets for this kind of thing in the future. That's an interesting interesting thing. Yeah, And then also, insurance is becoming, we're we're moving to a point where now insurance is becoming more prescriptive because there's a recognition from the insurance companies that they are seen as the answer to a ransomware (laughs) crisis. So that's one thing. The other thing I think is these these sort of two wings of the ransomware attack, aren't they? There's the kind of the disruptive, like what you've described as business impact but to my mind you know losing that data of course is as uh, you know and and again i suppose it comes down to the, what the nature of that data is in the twitch example the nature of that data makes that attack much more you know extreme and high and high impact um i I suppose that goes back to anthony your point about you know how clever and creative is the individual it relies on the attacker targeting the right kind of organization that the extortion will be a valuable to them because b the data that they get will be the right kind of data and that they understand it i suppose that's where you know perhaps again we day sometimes we deify the attacker um when actually quite a lot is required of them for them to be able to both execute the attack and understand what it is that they have and i think actually going back to the sony which is the point that you, that you were making right at the beginning kev about sony i think sony was kind of an example of that where they as time went on it felt like they realized what they had and what they could do um and obviously that was a nation state so it's a slightly different thing but you you take my point they yeah. they they kind of it's almost like they recognized the value of what they had after they had undertaken the initial attack uh, and yeah, I think this is where laws like GDPR need to become stronger and actually become enforced. Is like because that's what it is. Like this was a loss of PII, and under GDPR, which is the EU regulation for data privacy, you can lose a significant amount of money in fines from the ICO for that kind of breach. Mm. Um, but, but no one I've ever yet, pays them. So nobody it's ever fine. pays it. I, I've yet to see like anybody actually pay these massive massive fines and for the case of twitch if they're 
entire database is leaked and they have a a European presence, GDPR would apply and like it's something like a couple of percent of like your annual turnover, which I'm guessing is going to be a significant amount of money. We never see it paid. Mm. Yeah. So why? okay, we're 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 coming to the end of our time, so we need to come into land. So we've got a few other things to talk about around ransomware as we wrap up. The first is that I read a great story this week about how a ransomware gang and they and and they've they've alluded here a ransomware gang that have got ties to the colonial pipeline hack are basically recruiting. I'm assuming red teaming talent in the guise of setting themselves up as a legit company. So I, I think what's what, what's happening is they're basically setting up a sort of phony cybersecurity organization and then looking to recruit red teamers to work with that organization to find ways to hack businesses. Is that about right? Yeah, so this is this is Fin7, uh, I think, are the, the group that uh, this is being pinned on. And we've seen this trend... It, anecdotally across other ransomware groups so we used to talk about ransomware as a service and the ransomware operators would have their affiliates so known hackers that would go and do stuff and then we saw conti uh, the ransomware group come out and say like these are our pen testers that we hire to go and pen test companies mm. so i think this is just that that next step on from there is like trying to legitimize it and i don't know whether like if I was to go on the website and apply for one of these jobs, I don't know how obvious it would be to me that I was like, am I doing a job for a company where I think I'm legitimate, or do like how much do I know that I'm supporting? That, that's the interesting thing to me is how far down do you get into that workflow before you realise you're doing something that is not necessarily good? <laughs> I mean, do you know what I mean? Like, at, at what point do you realise that your 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 talents are being put um, put to malicious use? And I mean, how accountable if? do you become for that then? Right, exactly. Mm. And, and and the other challenge you've got is that the na- is that of course the nature of our industry and there's a, there's a couple of things that come into play here. There are thousands now of cyber security companies plus more being set up every single weekday probably um so that's 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 one challenge how could you possibly know that in this case the company caught that's calling itself bastion secure you know how can you possibly know that that's not a legitimate you know cyber security startup or a pen testing company or whatever it is that's the first thing the second thing is of course now with the you know, and and in fact, this is a thing about I guess would be a thing about pest te- pen testing anyway. Like that's probably a job that you do remotely. I'm guessing you never meet anyone face to face anyway. You probably don't really go to an office. Like all of those things become, all of those things become like useful advantages to a, um, you know, malicious g- group, um, or a less let's say less than legitimate group um looking to you know looking to recruit talent so i have a plan oh and you're not gonna (laughs) you're not gonna like it chris um rather than setting myself up as a cyber security company i'm gonna set myself up as a bug bounty program and just list all these organizations and just have have pen testers go out do some bug bounty thing thinking they're under safe harbor and reporting all of those vulnerabilities directly and make your list make your list the world's top 300 most valuable tech companies <laughs> and try to yeah. steal all their source code we've done it again we've done it again we've told them what they we've told them what they need to do next 
But, but that does open interesting questions as to what is the nature of legitimate. So there's there's stories of lots of people being hired out of intel agencies to go and work in slightly less democratic nations and do similar <laughs> things. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. But it's back to it, my... It's such it, a shade of grey. It's back to my cobalt strike thing, though, isn't it? The whole cybersecurity industry is shades of grey whilst full of moral unambiguity. It's bizarre. <laughs> it's such a bizarre world. It's a world where people have this kind of moral have a moral imperative about a load of stuff like if you look at ransomware for example like and people see themselves as you know good and bad black and white and yet actually the nature of what the industry requires in order to exist and even what the community requires in order to exist is this weird cross-pollination of technology techniques understanding of targets like blue teaming and red team even the whole concept of blue teaming and red teaming red teaming is literally like a wafer thin cigarette paper away from being an attacker so <laughs> yes it, that there is that is feels to me like the continual tension in the industry it's not as simple as you know i'm enforcing a law and that law is black or white it's all just way way more confusing than that well the problem is it comes down to the individual especially if it's not legislated mm. Which uh, any and of course it isn't legislation, is it? But talking about that, um, the U.S. government have been very vocal about ransomware. I would say over the last, you know, six or seven months, and certainly since the arrival of the of the um, the Biden administration. Uh, earlier in the week, we saw that Revil had gone offline. Uh, one of the ransomware groups, Revil, had gone offline. There was a lot of speculation about what was going on there. And then Reuters published an article yesterday saying that they were hacked and forced offline by a multi-country operation. Um, and three private sector cybersecurity experts are saying that. But the US government is not. So, Kev... What's going on? Why do the why do the cyber experts say that this was a government operation, the taking down of the of the blog and everything? Well, it's it's all very confusing, um, and even the the Reuters article can't really put their finger on any like actual source that says yes, we we did this. But there's some things that we know that we can kind of correlate. Uh, together to uh, to get to this and that's like we know that the uh, they had the keys uh, the so Kaseya was attacked uh, used to um, infect a lot of uh, other organizations downstream as part of a, a supply chain compromise and we know the FBI had those keys and released those keys late but they did release them uh, the only place you can get those keys is from the infrastructure that uh, the attackers are running we know the attackers came out and said we were attacked, we were compromised, and we lost some keys. So you can correlate all of that together. Now, yeah. we know that the US government have been vocal in I think US Cyber Command, uh, what was TrickBot, I think it was. Like they managed yeah. to uh, like seed some bad config in there that took TrickBot offline or just like heavily disrupted it like and they got loads of good response in doing that so i'm not sure why they've stayed so quiet this time unless maybe there's more we don't know behind those scenes like maybe they've they've still got actionable stuff they're doing and they don't want to burn uh, any of that resource that would be the only 
real reason I can see they don't want to tie themselves to this just yet. Yeah, they didn't want to comment on it specifically. There's an interesting quote from a spokesperson for the White House National Security Council, which I'll just which I'll just read. Um, Broadly speaking, we are undertaking a whole of government ransomware effort, including disruption of ransomware infrastructure and actors, which I think we can read as offensive, effectively offensive cyber, working with the private sector to modernize our defenses and building an international coalition to hold countries who harbor ransom actors accountable which is my personal favorite part of that sentence because the implication there is that if you are russia we are going to find ways probably to sanction you for allowing uh ransomware attacks to originate from your country right yeah that that that, that was a line for me and like it just harbored back to uh to what bush was saying uh during 9-11 uh, when it came out and said, we will make no distinction between the terrorists who committed the attacks and those who harbour them. And this feels very similar to that kind of uh, threat. And we know that Biden's administration has gone strong at Russia saying, like, you will be held accountable if you don't seem to do something. And, and I was just going to say, that line, this whole story, in fact, is posturing and would never have come out if the if the US government didn't want it to come out as well. <laughs> On Reuters, with that journalist, he's a very good journalist. So, uh, you know, this is kind of the American government saying that, in my opinion, without it actually officially being attributable. So so th- this is a message that they, they definitely want out there. It's not a, you know, reading between the lines type story. Yeah, they've got their, I mean, in their, obviously, you know, I admire the quote because it has their three, it has their three key messages in there doesn't it you know disruption of disruption of the infrastructure offensive cyber working with the private se- sector the defensive part and then the political part um and and, and you know credit credit to them like politically this is a this is a good approach i think um i think one of the challenges they've got is to make that is to help that land you know more land more broadly beyond a cyber beyond a kind of cyber context but maybe that's why they don't want to get drawn into the specifics of this because perhaps the plan is to later on talk about a you know a much uh, broader and therefore more impacting uh, effort because the problem is with cyber so kind of alluded to this already um, the minute something happens everyone in the industry is all over it trying to figure out trying to figure out what's gone on um, because again cyber it's just because <laughs> Because cyber. (laughs) Because cyber. In fact, maybe we'll just call that episode this. Right. (laughs) That is us done. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please do subscribe, rate and comment wherever you get your audio content. And if you want to know more about Immersive Labs, you can find us at ImmersiveLabs.com or follow us on Twitter at Immersive Labs. Until next time from just the three of us. Goodbye. 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 Go, 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 go